0: I'm laughing not because it's funny, but just because it's so indicative of our friendship. I say it and my thoughts are all jumbled and then you rephrase hey it. Hey everyone, I'm Aswa. And I'm, I'm Yasmin. Welcome to Inner Work, Ally Squared's official podcast where we learn how to better practice allyship. Ally Squared's
1: team resides and works on the unceded and unsurrendered territory of the Algonquin peoples, but our work extends all across Turtle Island. We give our respect to the first peoples of this land and commit to decolonizing efforts within our organization. Today, we're going to be talking about intentionality, goal setting, impact measurement, and of course, allyship.
0: Yes. So first, let's kind of get into what is intentionality. So having an intention is having a commitment to doing something. Yeah. And we kind of do this, you know, like I think New Year's is when we set all these resolutions and mm-hmm. we have the intention to do something and then sometimes we follow through and sometimes we don't
1: most often i'd say most people don't
0: yeah
1: um so for me i think intentionality is really important in terms of it being the second step i'd say in the process of allyship so the first step is awareness right mm-hmm. so it's within that there's learning um you become aware of a social issue you become aware of a new term you become aware of someone's plight and then you learn about it and th- that's a whole process in itself and then the second main step is intention where you decide that okay i'm going to do something about what's happening
0: yeah, and I think sometimes we see this a lot of times when, on social media, if there's, you know, something really big that's happening, and then a lot of people are posting about it, and they feel like that's their form of intentionality, and they're following through on something, but I feel like it kind of stops there a lot yeah. of the times.
1: Yeah, and that's why um, the first two steps are the the tr- threshold crossing over to the third step is where you get into active allyship and you transition from performative to active. And so intentionality is actually really important because you if you don't do it effectively, you're most likely not going to get into active allyship and your allyship is going to stay in that um, performative zone.
0: Yeah, and so when we talk about performative allyship, it's all about intention, but it has little to no tangible impacts mm-hmm. on the people in the world around you. And if it does, we often have no idea where, when, or how. Mm -hmm. And intention
1: is all about you, Mm -hmm. which it should be. You should be the one making the intentions, but um, your intentions have to be guided by the people who are impacted by the issue. Your intentions have to be about working with the people who are impacted by the issue. And ultimately, your intentions have to be about the issue not existing anymore and making sure that that happens. And so, I think the way we see intentions, when anyone says the word intentions, you immediately think to I statements mm-hmm. and you need to move more towards we or I will do this for or with these people.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And then moving beyond intention puts the onus on all of us. Mm-hmm. Um and kind of practicing allyship even when it's uncomfortable or inconvenient or even when no one's looking because I think performative allyship <clears throat> is kind of doing it only when people are
1: yeah you're doing looking. it again for yourself to save face to make sure that others see you as having certain values that you don't have and we talked about this in the Karen and culture episode too is it's all about projecting an image. It's not about actually being the person you want to be. And so I think it's important to talk about how like allyship is not a strategic move. It's something that you do. So number one, most often comes out of a place of desire or passion towards an equitable uh, community, society, whatever you want to call it. The second thing is that it's never about how you're going to have to do it. It's more about how others need you to act and you following that procedure, that way of doing things. Because again, it's not about you. At the end of the day, all of these things end with the statement, it's not about you. Even when it's you're part of a community and you're working to solve a problem or address an issue or fight for your rights, it's not just about you. It's about the community at large. It's about people coming together. And so when we talk about allyship being not strategic, it has to come from that place of at the end of the day, my actions have to be guided by the people experiencing it as a collective.
0: Yeah. And so in saying that, when you're trying to move past that performative allyship, goal setting is really important. Mm -hmm. Um, And goal setting is like intentionality, but it's physical. You can measure the goals that you're making. You can measure how you've achieved them. Um, They can include numbers, data, but also your own personal feelings and the feelings of those around you.
1: And that's so important. I think, so first of all, when we think about impact measurement, goal setting, SMART goals, any of those things, we think of organizations, we think about efficiency, we think about productivity, we think about institutions but impact measurement and I've been advocating for this in the last couple months and I think I'm going to do it more public publicly on our Ally Squared channels is talking about individual impact measurement mm-hmm. because we talk about setting goals so much it's such a trend again like you said new years it's such a trend when it comes to it's my birthday I'm going to do it or it's this day and I'm going to do it however we we the way we've glorified making goals Is not the same when it comes to impact measurement because there's no one who's actually in society in like a mask modified or glorified way being like, okay, so you know those goals that you posted on social media back in January? (laughs) Tell me how you're doing six months later. Yeah, There's no such thing. In fact, I think people would think it was rude if someone messaged you.
0: Yeah, they would. Because uh, so I find, to be honest, the only time that I've ever actually sat down and actively... Made a goal has been at work because Mm -hmm. they make us do it every week. (laughs) (laughs) And we do that SMART goal and you have to write out, you know, your goal for the week or the quarter because it's at the bank and um, how you are going to achieve that goal. I don't know that I've ever actually sat down and said, like, these are my goals that Mm -hmm. I want to achieve for 2021 or 2020, whatever that may be. Um, but I think it is something that I want to implement mm-hmm. because I think it is easier to kind of achieve what you want to achieve and do the things that you want to do without it being in a performative way.
1: Yeah. And I I do it. So I'm really big on, I'm the kind of person who likes to plan a lot. You know, this about me. Mm-hmm. Um, and so. Well, especially while I was in university towards the end of high school as well, I had a lot of academic and career goals and every single whatever semester or year I used to do it at different intervals, I would make goals for myself and I would write them down in the note section of my phone and say, I want to work at a think tank this semester. I want to work at the public service this semester. I want to be able to get this amount of income. I want to be able to take these courses and create these relationships with professors. I don't think I did it as much when it was about the things that I love to do or the things that I cared about in my community, Mm. because I think honestly it came from a fear of not doing enough. And I'm the kind of person who always feels like I'm not doing enough. And so I didn't want to invite that feeling and the trauma that I would create for myself because despite those goals being made
0: and despite me even achieving those goals I would still feel like I'm not doing enough. So you think that <clears throat> do you think that you've created goals more in your professional life based on your productivity and what society deems mm-hmm. productive rather than your social life maybe? Yeah, absolutely. Goals. Other
1: than I think the thing that you said that really pinpoints it is society invites me to be successful Mm -hmm. in terms of my career and my education i'm a prop for them like oh look at this immigrant girl doing this or look at this brown girl doing this or just look at this young woman doing this you know all of those things are things that society wants to prop up right now me actually investing in my community me investing in myself me investing in changing society and the structures in society is not what society wants from me And the way that's been fed to me has created fear that nothing will be enough in terms of that. When I think tangibly me connecting more with my roots or me connecting more with my community um, and other communities and building a society that's for everyone. um, Anything and a lot of the things that I've been doing could be seen as some really good strides. So I think when it comes to goal setting, We need to acknowledge those things about ourselves Mm -hmm. and we need to be really, really aware of how pressure makes an impact in our life, how um, pleasing others makes an impact in our lives, why we tend to set goals in certain ways, why we're scared to set goals, why setting goals is really daunting and talking about some strategies that work for us. So I think it'd be really interesting as If right now on the podcast, you and I picked one goal each surrounding how we want to better practice allyship either for ourselves or others, Um, and we went through the process of starting from intention and going towards impact measurement and everything in between.
0: Mm -hmm. So what's your goal? So I think my goal for, let's say, this year Mm -hmm. would be to better practice allyship at home. I think at home, it can be quite difficult sometimes when you're around family and you don't want to offend anyone necessarily. Mm -hmm. Um, So I think my goal would be to kind of maybe try and educate people, but in a non-condescending way. Mm -hmm. And I have very young siblings. Mm -hmm. So I think I want to take what I learn Outside of my home and from my community and from, you know, ally Squ- everyone at Ally Squared, I've learned so much since we've mm-hmm. since you've created this amazing we, community. I would like to <laughs> correct that to a week. Um, but I've learned so much from the people that we like work with on it on a daily basis. Um, and I kind of want to bring everything that I've learned and. Just show that to my siblings in a kid-friendly way because, again, they're very young. Um, But I think it's really good to kind of start from a young age and take what you learn at home, especially in, um, you know, South Asian households. Even, honestly, not even just South Asian households, like also in white households. Both (laughs) sides of my family both need to be educated in different types of ways. Yeah. That sounds like that's what your intention is. So if I could
1: rephrase for you, your intention is to translate what you've learned outside of your house Mm -hmm. to inside of your house and translate that in ways that are conducive to
0: learning for your family and don't cause conflict (laughs) or stress for you. I'm laughing not because it's funny, but just because it's so indicative of our friendship. I say it, and my thoughts are all jumbled, and then you rephrase it for me in a better, more in a better way. Yes, that is my intention.
1: Okay, so let's work through that. We'll do you first, and then we'll go to me. And okay, we'll do all of that. So that's your intention.
0: Mm-hmm. Now,
1: what are some ways on a weekly basis? So let's say once a week in both households. So once at your mom's, once at your dad's, you can implement one thing that will help. With your intention.
0: Um, so I think with my mom, I've already maybe been doing this in some way is typically I call her when I'm driving home from work mm-hmm. and um, we just talk like just kind of open dialogue. Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. I mean, I don't know if that's like I can't sit everyone down and say, here's a PowerPoint presentation of what I want to teach you for the week. And but that wouldn't work. no. It wouldn't. Um, But I think just like an open dialogue, maybe like, you know, having a family dinner once a week that Mm -hmm. we have and then bringing something up that I think they would find interesting, first of all. And, you know, just having a, like creating a setting for a more open conversation with them.
1: So how do you think you'd set a topic? Do you think you want to, in your mind think about a topic and then bring it up or do you think you want to naturally wait for an indication to come up or do you want to use for example the news how do you think that would work
0: i think i would use either the news or naturally wait for the topic to come up so that it's not forced Mm -hmm.
1: yeah that sounds good to me and how do you think you would address it in a way especially because your family is white um how would you address it in a way that's conducive to them not feeling attacked, but also conducive to them learning rather than um, being defensive?
0: So I think you've actually helped me a lot with this. Um, and an example would be when I was teaching my mom what colonialism mm-hmm. was. Um, and you really helped me phrase it in a way that she understood. So I think it would be... Maybe come more in like a almost storytelling type of a format rather than like let me tell you this is what it is, Mm -hmm. um, in a way that other people understand. Because I think it's a lot easier when we talk to each other and we understand these concepts. Because, first of all, we've gone to school Mm -hmm. and for you know this field. this field so the people that we normally talk to about these things already understand what we're talking about mm-hmm. so we don't have to sit there and break down the concepts and explain everything to someone who has like literally never heard of mm-hmm. colonialism and its effects before and i didn't even realize that she didn't know what mm-hmm. colonialism was um so i think that would be my main goal would be to talk to people in a way that I'm not just assuming that they know what I'm talking about. Mm-hmm.
1: That's super, yeah, that's a great learning point, I think. It's so hard, and I've seen this so often in us young people mm-hmm. who are so old. And I talk to my cousin, my cousin's 31, and so she's, she's not old by any means. No but just the terminology and vernacular we use on a regular basis I had a conversation with her and she was saying when I was your age we would have never talked about these things we wouldn't have used these labels we wouldn't have even verbalized what we were going through in reaction to that Mm -hmm. and so your generation's incredibly different I just sat there after that and I was like I always feel like yeah like I know her and I are from different generations we have eight years of Uh, difference in age and so like yeah I know we're from different generations but I never think of like you know this being so different yeah and so coming from a place where you're not assuming like you said the knowledge that someone has is really awesome how do you think you're gonna navigate and maybe this is more of a question on your dad's side because South Asian cultures have a lot more stringent Uh, Social norms about the way you interact with a parent or a grandparent. Mm -hmm. How are you gonna approach that relationship in a way where you're giving him information and then the opposite how are you going to approach Lena and Mia who are your little sisters with information in a way that connects to how they would see it in their lives right now or in the future.
0: Yeah so I think um a good way of maybe explaining this and it's something that we are i think as a household all learning is um Lena is darker skinned mm-hmm. and Nia's very fair skinned mm-hmm. and Lena at one point had said she made a comment about Nia is very lo- like okay n- she said why is Nia so white okay. and Gigi you're white mm-hmm. and I am, I'm not, I'm dark. Mm -hmm. And we were all kind of like, what? Isn't it, isn't it wild? (laughs) It was like like... a shock. Yeah. Because in my house, we're, we are honestly all like a variety of different shades Mm -hmm. in my house, you Mm -hmm. know? And I guess we've, not that we never thought about it, because I think my family is almost hyper aware Mm -hmm. of our differences, but, um just seeing her as a young child she's and you you never yeah, she's the youngest. She's like our baby. Mm-hmm. And you never want your baby to think about things like that. You never want a young child to think to be sitting there wondering why am I darker than everyone else. Um so I in think In a bad way. In a bad way. Yeah. yeah, not that's what I mean. Yeah. In a negative context. Um so I think as a whole we've been working to kind of educate ourselves on how to deal with these things because of the kids. Mm-hmm. So I think when I think my my dad and my even my grandmother is a lot more open to these conversations because they know that it's for the benefit of yeah. us and as a society, as a household, as a family. Um so I think when I go through these conversations and i have the intention of listen this is how it's going to benefit us Mm -hmm. like this is not me being disrespectful or telling you that you're wrong or that Mm -hmm. the way that you've lived is wrong i understand that you grew up completely differently from how we did um but here's how how it will work for us and here's how it can better our family and our relationships with each other and our relationships with our community and our friendships and um so I think going about it in that way rather than just me trying to almost sound like I'm preaching at them Mm -hmm. is helpful
1: yeah absolutely and I remember I was over at your house months ago now and I I was like playing with your little sisters and I remember her saying Lena saying like I have such dark skin or something like that. Mm -hmm. And I just put my hand beside hers because we have very similar skin tones. And I was like, look, we're we're like the exact same. And suddenly that changed. And I just realized like in a second how such a small comment on Mm -hmm. my part to just be like, oh, look, we're the exact same. You can like look at someone older than you who's comfortable in their skin tone and loves their skin tone. Yeah. Change that for her. And I think there's so many ways that, I mean, I remember being like nine and... my skin tone like trying to put on like lights all over my room Mm -hmm. so it looked like I was lighter in pictures and stuff and I remember like just thinking I had the skin that like looked like the color of poop and like just looking at myself and being like why all of my friends have such lighter skin like I was thinking about this one friend of mine who has lighter skin but it's from the same like Culture has me being like, oh, everyone fawns over her all the time mm-hmm. and like I'm gonna be the crap friend because my skin looks like crap. And now I look at I look at my skin and I'm like, oh my god, I love my skin. Oh, like sometimes I'll just sit there in the sun and I'll be like, I can feel you glow. I can't see you glow, but I can feel you glow and that's that's your strength, right? <laughs> yeah. Um, but it's it's so hard how early those things get internalized. And I think the way that you'd approach it is by like just talking to them in terms of the stories and in terms of how it'll be better for them to think this way is, is going to be really effective. Yeah.
0: Yeah, exactly. And I think like, um, I have a brother and sister, um, also young, they're seven and she's going to be nine. Um, and they live in Cambridge, which again is predominantly white. Like it's much different from Nia and Lena's experiences here in Mississauga versus Farron Farron Mason's experiences in Cambridge. And I think like Farron Mason told me about a kid at school that had said the N word. Mm-hmm. And then me being like, okay, what do I know about the schooling system and what I learned mm-hmm. about history? And it was pretty much nothing. Yeah. Um. So how can I teach these kids what I know now in a... I guess child friendly way because they're mm-hmm. still very young. Mm-hmm. Um so I think it's just like recognizing the differences between the two cultures and Yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah, meeting people where they're at. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So now Let's move done. on
0: to you. Can oh, we no, can we no. do you now? There's more? There's more? There is more.
1: So we've done the intention. We figured out like mitigated all of the issues. You you have your weekly goal now. One conversation on both ends. Okay. Now, how are you, let's say in three months, if I say, hey, Yasmeen, how did that go? How are you going to measure the impact of it? Is it going to be in the number of, yes, every week I did have that conversation. Is it going to be about, I did have that conversation. This is the amount of times it was successful. Is it more about, like, how are you going to, are you going to measure it based on relationship? My relationship is stronger now or Lena's affirmations for herself are more positive. What's the way, and it doesn't have to be just one, but how are you going to measure that?
0: So I think I would measure it in the amount of um, conversations that I, like, rather than me just talking, the actual conversations that I have had. So where they're responding back to me and we are having an open conversation. Mm -hmm. Because I don't think, I mean, I could talk and talk and talk to them and Possibly nothing could change, um, and on the other hand, I could talk to them. And also, I have to recognize that change can take quite a yeah. quite a while. So, I don't think I'm going to necessarily see this huge, massive change in my household. Um, but I think the more open dialogue that you have with people, and the more conversations that you have, the more it resonates with people, and the more people think about it. Mm-hmm. I think when you're just talking at someone and they're not responding back or asking any questions or participating in the conversation, you possibly have not succeeded in having the impact Mm -hmm. that you want to have on your friends and family or whoever it is that you're talking to. Mm -hmm. So I think I would measure that based on like my my success rate based Mm -hmm. on the amount of actual conversations I've had.
1: Yeah, I think that's a good one. Um,
0: And that shows the process of how you can go
1: from, like, if you stop that, I think I should have more conversations with my family. Mm -hmm. There is no tangible thing. You didn't go through all the challenges you might have. Right. You didn't go through, like, the different ways of communicating, the different ways of building or strengthening those relationships. And so your allyship, if you stayed at that point, would have been incredibly Performance. Right. Now you've gone through all of these things. You have a better understanding of what you've got, the environment ahead of you. You do these things, and in a couple of months, when you look back and you reflect at it, you can actually measure your impact. And I will say sometimes you can't, like, it isn't a positive impact. Sometimes you make mistakes. Sometimes you don't foresee things. Sometimes, you know, certain relationships change with people, mm-hmm. but the fact that you'd be measuring that impact and then adapting it and then moving forward would be an indicator of the active pursuit of good allyship. Yeah. So for me, um, I told you about an idea before we started recording, and I think I'm going to adapt it a little to be more specific. I think I really wanted to vote this year and the rest of this year to a lot of community building. That's Mm -hmm. something that I really care about. Um, I was talking to someone the other day from work and I was telling them how I feel like that's my skill. Um, I know how to connect with people on a human emotional level that um, kind of gets rid of the, the professionality of things or the facade, the social facade, and focuses more on, How you as a human and how me as a human can connect. Mm -hmm. And so that's for me is my way of building community. And Ally Squared has now been, we're in our second year now. And I think we've done such an awesome job of just collating the most incredible human beings into one space. Mm -hmm. You can look at every single individual in our team. And pinpoint the amazing ways that they are a human and that they practice allyship. Yeah. And I, you know, the first year was a lot. Um, I think I was really tired. I was really exhausted and I still felt like I wasn't doing enough. Um,
0: well, you were finishing school and...
1: Oh, yeah. No, we have all... You're very difficult on yourself. You're so hard on yourself <laughs> all the time. Um. But that's how I felt. And so I think this year, I want to recenter. We've got a lot of our like systems in place now. We've got our projects in place. People know what they're doing. People know what their position is, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Mm-hmm. Now I want to build that community. And for me, this is a really big part of allyship and how I see it in my life. Because if I've created a space of all of these people who most of them have a marginalized identity or lack privilege because society treats at least one of their identities as um a negative or treats it in an oppressive way Mm -hmm. i want to practice allyship for the people in my team who work so so hard to volunteer might i add um to build effective allyship in society because they're doing a lot of stuff and sometimes they need the support to um you know to keep doing the work that they're doing and so my intention is to practice allyship for my Ally Squared community.
0: Amazing. Continue. <laughs>
1: um, so that's my intention. Uh, a couple things I see that could be challenges. We're remote. Mm-hmm. So um, it's very, very hard. Mm-hmm. Again, my strong suit is in person. You yeah. know this more than anyone. I love cooking for people. That's you how do.
0: I- how I show my love. That's actually why I'm your friend.
1: Yeah. No, it's fine. (laughs) I've accepted it. I'm fine with it. We're on board here. Um, I love cooking for people. And Mm -hmm. so if we were all in the same city and we didn't have to be remote and there was no pandemic, then I would hug all of my friends if they wanted me to hug them. I would cook for them. I would Um, make them my DIY skincare products and I would, you know, do those things for them and really just care for them. And that's how I would invest in my community and make sure that my community was healing Mm -hmm. and they were practicing joy and they were building relationships with one another. Mm -hmm. I can't do that. So the remote environment creates that challenge. Mm -hmm. The other challenge the remote environment creates is burnout. And I'm experiencing this with Zoom, especially in mm-hmm. with meetings, a lot of the meetings that I have with Ally Squared is I'm usually moderating or I'm usually like introducing agenda items or people rely on me for comments or feedback. And so I have to speak after each point. Mm-hmm. So I think once I finish meeting any meeting these days, I feel like I just want to be in a dark hole and not talk to anyone for the next 24 hours Mm -hmm. that's not conducive to creating a community no so i think rather than being like okay i'm gonna meet with all of these people and i'm gonna set up virtual coffees every week and i'm gonna put in all of this energy and this what i was thinking is maybe i will create like a netflix party link Mm. and pick a show that's very like that's that's that you can comment on, like something silly or something really funny or something like that, and just drop a link in our Ally Squared Slack channel. And if anyone wants to join, they can join. And that way it's not, okay, I need to, you know, it's not like I actually try and look and put on makeup during (laughs) Ally Squared meeting. I was going to say dress up, but I don't. But try and look less like... (laughs)
0: No, you, yeah, and I think it's, like, indicative of how we view productivity. Like, you don't have to create a community based on solely what you think is productive for Ally Squared. It can also just be a community where we watch a Netflix show together.
1: Yeah, and maybe, like, eventually we'll transition to movies that are a little heavier or, like, have, you know indications of like being more aware of privilege Mm -hmm. or having racial context to it but there's lots of really good tv shows or movies that have like for example netflix has a whole category that's called strong black league yeah and there's some like there's some really good shows in there that we could watch or making sure that there's the shows have representation like an effective representation not just people on a screen yeah um that are still like in the comedy genre or whatever or sitcoms or all of that and creating those kinds of things. So that's something that I think I can do. Um, I think it's also, I don't want to assume and push people's boundaries. I think I'm the kind of person who's very forthcoming about my emotions, forthcoming about the things that happen in my life and just the day to day. Mm -hmm. Not everyone's like that. And I think what I need to unlearn is the expectation that people need to be forthcoming about the things that they're going through to want to have a relationship. Because sometimes uh, I feel like, oh, you're not telling me about your day or you're not telling me how you feel or you're not telling me that you're tired. You don't, want, like, you don't want me to pry or you don't want me to create that relationship with you. When that's not true. Maybe some people just want me to send them memes or maybe some people just want me to, you know, check in on them on a light way or like whatever that may be. Mm-hmm. And I think in terms of that, I need to be better at Again, meeting people where they want to be rather than expecting or imposing certain things that I have in my values, and so I think that's something else that I need to think about. Um, but I know that the team is really full of people. We just had an all team meeting yesterday, and everyone was um, talking about how much they want to invest in this community, how much they want to create this community together, and. um, We always have, like, an opening check-in prompt and a closing check-in prompt.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: And our closing check-in prompt was, I want you to show up for me, by dot, dot, dot. And a lot of people had so many different ideas. So we had dog photos. That's why yesterday in the Slack channel, we had, like, everyone's dog photos in there. (laughs) Uh, We had send me memes. We had tell me about your day. I think Holly said, um, like, I want to know what's happening in your life. And I want to, like, celebrate that with you. Yeah. And so those kinds of things. So, And I I wrote a lot of those down. Um, And so I think just doing that is going to be effective and it's going to happen. I'm very optimistic about it. It's just also managing that with my own expectations, how hard I am on myself, and understanding that I also have other things going on. Yeah. And when I need a break, I need to be able to better assert that... um, Like, I need someone to take that on instead of me. Yeah. So, I need to be able to trust. No, I trust my team. I need to be able to let my team know that I'm tired. I need someone to do this for a week. Right. So, I think those two are really good examples of how intentionality can turn from a really passive thing to a very active thing.
0: Okay. So... How are you going to measure them?
1: <laughs> <laughs> um, so I'm in a great uh, in a great space where I actually we have volunteer feedback surveys we send. Yes. So I have actual. You can't serve it, send a survey to your family without that being weird. <laughs> I can send a survey to my team without yep. that being weird. So that's going to be awesome. I think I'll send one, um, probably in the next couple of weeks, and then I'll send another one probably in about five or six months. See how that works. I'm also going to measure not in terms of like formal numbers, but more in terms of the overall how people are reaching out to one another that aren't from the same team. Yeah. So what we've seen at LA squared is people on the same sub teams are very close. Yeah. Have inside jokes and have a good banter. But people who don't work on the same projects don't know what each other are up to. So I'm going to measure how many of those reach outs happen. And then I'm also going to measure the amount of times that I assert myself and let people know that I need a break. Because I think that's also important practicing Mm -hmm. allyship because I need to be okay in order to do this kind of work.
0: Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. We can't, uh, we can't practice allyship for others if we don't practice it for ourselves. Yeah. Well, so
1: absolutely. So that was, I think a really good conversation we had in terms of intentionality and how people can practice it. I think for our listeners, what are some tips that you would give them if they are right now listening to this? So after the episode, what do you think they should do if they're trying to also move their intentionality from a passive to an active?
0: Well, I think one thing is actually sitting down and setting the goals that you want to set. Um, because again, coming from a person who, like I always had goals, but I never really sat down and thought them through. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that's a really good place to just start is what change, I would say change. What change do you want to see happen in your personal life, in your community, um, You know, with your friends, your relationships, and how can you make that happen? Um, and you can do this, you know, by journaling. I feel Mm -hmm. like journaling is something that not a ton of people think of, but it's a really good idea. Yeah. Um, just, you could also sit down with your family and say, you know, as a family, how do we kind of want to, what goals do we have? What do we want to do with your friend groups? I think Mm -hmm. it's a good idea as well. Um, at, you know, at work, at school, whatever it is that you're doing. Um, I think sitting down and setting goals and then kind of figuring out what you wanna do to reach those goals um is just the best place to start,
1: yeah, that's really good advice. I didn't even think about journaling um I think for me it's it starts with finding the one person in your life and you might have multiple, but find one who you regularly talk to, who can call you out, Mhm, you know like for me that's you You yeah. can very easily and we have the kind of relationship where no one's feelings get hurt yeah you regularly call me out <laughs> on stuff like probably once a day and I do as well call mm-hmm. you out and it's not we it never comes from a place of oh like I need to tell you it's me that she's been doing this and that and she needs to stop it comes from a oh no maybe she doesn't realize she's doing this let me let her know
0: Yeah. Well, it's, val—it's you know, I value people that hold me accountable for Mm -hmm. my actions and what I say and do. um, Because I think I really believe that that's the only way that you, maybe not the only way, but that's one of the most important ways that you learn and grow as a person Mm -hmm. is if other people hold you accountable. Because if no one else is, um, you may not even realize what you're doing.
1: Yeah. And if your ego is so fragile that mm-hmm. that hurts you when someone you love is investing because I see it as investment uh, yeah yeah that person is investing in me because they love me and that's the way they're showing me that exactly love me if your ego is so fragile that that hurts your feelings then maybe that's what your goal needs to be is mm-hmm. I need to make identify when someone's trying to hurt my feelings versus when someone's investing in my growth and I need to be better at addressing both situations Mm -hmm. um but yeah like having that person to check you so important in this process and check in on you right like you can let me know you can text me and say hey like i had this conversation with lena today and this is how she she reacted i feel like it didn't go well like let's talk about how we can like how i can do this again next time
0: yeah absolutely and i feel like i like again when i was saying when i was talking to my mom about colonialism you were the first person and I was like, this conversation's not going well. <laughs> I need you to help me. I need you to tell me how you would phrase this because I don't know what I'm doing right now. And yeah, it's really important to have those people in your life. So yeah, I guess another important thing is surrounding yourself mm-hmm. with people that hold you accountable and that you can go to and you can really learn from.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, like, I th- I feel like for you last year and – this is, when I say this is going to sound some type of way, I don't mean it, so let me explain it first. Okay. Last year was your year of breakups. Yeah. And I feel like I don't mean that in terms of, just, like, a romantic relationship. You are you were breaking up with things and people in your life who mm-hmm. weren't good for you. Yeah. And that's not a depressing thing for me. Like, when I look at that for you, I'm like, yes, she made her life better. Like, look at how awesome the people around her are now and how she's investing more time into them because now she has less people are causing trouble and taking away her attention. Yeah. So there is a couple of people I think out there um, who might benefit from a year of breakups.
0: I, I absolutely think so, and I think we don't even have to. A lot of times, people see it as like a negative way, um, or like, "Oh, you're cutting people off, and you cut people off so easily." I think it's just really important. Like, are you taking my energy in a negative way? Mm-hmm. And how can I, you know, fix these things for myself? Because, again, if you don't have good, positive people in your life that are helping you in Mm -hmm. some way and you're helping them in some way, it's pointless. Yeah,
1: it really is. There's no point in those people being in your life and you're wasting their time as much as they're wasting your time. Exactly. So I think we can close off here and just encourage people to have those goals and create them and sit sit down this took us what 30 minutes to do and that's nothing in terms of the grand scheme scheme of impact we'll be making Mm -hmm. and so i think this is this is a great place to start um for everyone who has questions or wants to reach out to us follow us on at ally two squared on instagram facebook and twitter Or visit
0: www.alliesquared.ca. Yes, and thank you all for listening. Our episodes occur bi-weekly on Sundays, so make sure to tune in and listen to them. Great. Thanks, Yasmin. Thanks, Oswa. Bye. Bye.